Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. 
It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. Rachel and Gabby have realized that this whole thing is just not working for them. And to be honest, if this thing continues to go down this path, they're not going to find love. So at the end of the day, that journey is over. But that doesn't mean they're just willing to give up. This is how it's going to work. Gabby and Rachel have decided that the best way moving forward is to continue on their journeys separately. If you accept a rose tonight, that means you are committing to dating one woman, that woman. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. Do you know who this is? Bachelor Clues? Codeine Clues. Oh, no. I thought he was gone forever. (laughs) No, I had a couple more doses left, and I've had a splitting headache all day, so I said, fuck it. I have a lot to say, and I have to say it in a very expert manner, so I got to get rid of this headache, and I'm feeling pretty good. It's giving Codeine Clues. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be given Codeine Clues, but welcome. Take care of roses. We have a big breakdown of the third episode of the historic Bachelor season 19 for you tonight. There's a lot to talk about. This was a mess. There is no doubt, and at least to me, that this is the worst episode of The Bachelor or Bachelorette I think I've ever seen in my life, except maybe some <laughs> Andy Baldwin episodes. That season was pretty boring. Yeah, I feel like that is that is a tough bar to get under. <laughs> <laughs> Having no. witnessed uh, every single episode of the document. <laughs> yeah, this was this was bad in a different way. It was like a mess, top to bottom. Just bad producing everywhere, bad editing. It, it was, was hard to watch. Yes. Not only are they not <clears throat> protecting their leads, they're actively destroying them in episode two and three. They're destroying the leads. They're destroying narrative of any relationship building. They're destroying the mechanics of the game, which at this point, after 22 seasons, is pretty locked tight. That's like saying, I love baseball, but now what we're going to do is have two pitchers and two batters going simultaneously on the same field. What? What the fuck is that? That's not baseball. So we're in this weird era, at least for this season, where all this shit's going on. But before we get to any of that, we do have to let you know, there is a brand new shirt available at gameofroses.co that is a celebration. It is a commemoration of this current era of our beloved game, which is the Sauce Wars. It is designed by Ella Tolkien, who did our fantastic designs for our first 4TRR shirt, all of our Welcome to the Pit shirt and poster merch, the stuff that has uh, Pace Case and myself sitting on thrones deep in the bottom of the pit. (laughs) Uh, It's a great design. It's two cans of tomato sauce being poured, and they form the word Sauce Wars on the cans of sauce. Okay, wait, we got to just... These are not cans. They are jars. Oh, sorry. My apologies. They are jars of sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Don't misrepresent the product. They are jars of sauce. (laughs) Okay. My apologies. And the sauce is commingling with some vapors rising up out of of a little cup of tea. And it says the tea will set you free, which we believe is true. And again, this shirt, like many other Elitogan designs, is not just a shirt. It is a wearable statement that you are in the pit. That when you go to your friends' homes, they're going to look at this and be like, what the fuck is the sauce wars? 
Then you get to tell them. You get to corner them in the kitchen of their home and trap them for one hour while you explain the official Bachelor Nation podcast, the company men, grocery store Joe, Natasha Park, all of this shit. And you get to watch their eyes roll back in their head. Whenever we make apparel, <clears throat> Clues is... Well, my strategy is wear it outside peacock maybe someone will come and ask you about it and you get to talk to them about our beloved game and clues is always like if you wear this you have the excuse to corner someone in the kitchen of a party and ruin their night (laughs) ruin their night enhance their life drag them into the pit show them who they truly are that's how i see it anyway well this gorgeous statement you can get it in cream Dark Heather Gray, black, neon Heather Green, or white. All of them look amazing. Couldn't agree more. And we can't thank Ella Talkin enough for putting that design together for us. Always doing a fantastic job. With that said, we now have a fantastic job to do, Pace Case. We have to break down this game. This was episode three, week two of the regular season of Bachelorette season 19. Here we go. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present... Analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We open as we always do with a promo tonight on The Bachelorette. We see some nudity. Could be voluntary. Could be forced from Jacob. Cheers all around. Franco LaCosta is here. He's going to be doing a uh, photography group date, which he has done many in the past. And we will get to some of the other ones. One specifically. Oh, will we? Uh, from season <laughs> 21. <laughs> that was Nick Vial, of course. And we see some kisses. We see a football field, some bowling. We see theaters. We see Jacob all exiting Rachel. And he says he doesn't want a woman like Gabby. We see the guys not knowing what to do. The women feeling so rejected. And Rachel says she's quitting. This is in episode three of this season. We have one of the leads saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm quitting. They have already broken her. And it all starts right now. I mean, this fucking promo, I was like, you got to be shitting me. How are they still saying this show is about helping people find love? They're promoting the breakdown of a person. And we, we hear later, literally, they're saying, I'm broken, too broken to find love, Gabby says at a certain point. We will get to that as well. For me... Look, I do love the drama, but watching a double bachelorette lead for the first time and we just watch them get emotionally destroyed week after week is actually not fun. It actually feels bad. I got to say, there have been a lot of seasons in recent history as most of the bubble seasons. I mean, Clayton season two, they all feel bad because the leads are not being protected. And it's happening here again. Not only are they not being protected in this case, they're actively being destroyed like they did with Clayton. In some cases, in some of these bubble seasons, I feel like it wasn't necessarily malicious. They were just setting up kind of uh, more heightened than normal situations that would blow up. But they weren't actively trying to fucking wreck the leads in a a real way. Even with Pilot Pete, I feel like the the ways they were wrecking him were smaller, you know? Well, we don't know if she's going to show up to the rose ceremony. I don't know. How does that make you feel? Oh, my God, I can't believe it. This shit is like the mechanics of the game are designed to destroy them. Like, there's no way this would win- wind up okay. I mean, the panic attack room is de- was definitely designed to destroy Popeye. That's true, I guess. I mean, maybe that's where it started. I don't know. I think it was 23. It was the Colton fence jump. I think it's Colton. Yeah. I think getting Colton to jump on that fence over the fence was the beginning of 
a series of destroying their leads. But anyway, let's get into portion one of our beloved game tonight. Yeah, they did a triple drone shot to open this episode. Drone shot Santa Monica Pier, drone shot Griffith Observatory, drone shot Mansion. They are getting their money's worth out of their drones. Look, you, it might have been the episode you liked the least, but I could feel money in this episode. That definitely hasn't come through in some of the previous seasons. Great locations. As they had in the, the episode right before this. Those one-on-one date locations unbelievable beautiful and here too they have some pretty good locations they misused them in this episode however we'll get to that so anyway the guys are uh, awake in the morning they're talking about the first row ceremony being difficult eric is itming that some of the players are starting to see the value in an all egg strategy and at this point he seems to be loading an all eggs with gabby and then tremaine itms an open options strategy he doesn't know yet which way he's leaning and meatball also plays an open options to the other guys then we're at the bachelorette house gabby's drinking coffee with her eyes closed sitting out on a deck not looking at the beautiful view and she itms that there are some guys in the middle ground this week and she hopes that it's going to help her figure out who they're not meant to be with, and she's afraid of making the, the wrong decision and being let down. Gabby, for the first time, puts it out there also that the ones who are lingering in the middle, the fence players who ha- are perhaps loading their options open in the previous scene, it's getting kind of sketch, she says. And so Rekia says, we need, it's up to them who they want to explore. It's up to them to reciprocate or decide to not continue. They're basically saying that this week is going to be that all eggs, one basket week that we have been looking forward to. At the mansion, Dark Lord Palmer comes in and he says, Windekia, they're not messing around. They're not looking for a fling. They're looking for their husbands. Nate, what was it like to spend a whole day with Gabby? He says, I came home with a rose. Our relationship really progressed. And DLP says there's going to be two incredible romantic one-on-one dates this week. And a rose will be on the line for each of those dates. Okay. It always is. Yeah. As always. Since season Uh, (laughs) seven. As always. He's like, I don't, this week, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Also, there's going to be a massive group date. And he says, everything can change like that. And he snaps. And in this moment. DLP is foreshadowing that they're going to have to all eggs, one basket. And the smart players know this. I'm talking about Tino. He loads an all eggs, one basket for Rekia. I'm talking about Tyler. He loads an all eggs, one basket for Rekia. If I may, we have to go back. We have to look at some things here. One, during the girl chat, Rekia uses the word clarity for the first time. It will be used 576,000 times throughout this episode. Usually, you don't get the clarity manifestation until it gets closer to playoffs when it's really getting down to like, oh shit, whose family should I meet? Whatever. Here we have mm-hmm. it in episode three. So they're already ramping up shit that usually comes later in a season. It's like being forced out now, just like an all exiting. That is a, a form of kind of forcing in quotes the clarity. There's also a thing where, at least in my opinion, when he showed up and he was like, if you can't tell by now, Gabby and Rachel are not messing around excuse me, the most significant interaction most of the guys in that room have had with either of them was exposing their genitalia in a Speedo while juggling or swinging nunchucks. No, So this, no. We have determined we're not saying the G word anymore. We'll use what Rekia used in this episode, which is their situation. She says that about Jacob's situation. Fair enough. 
Most of these guys have had the opportunity to expose their situation to them, and that's about it. So this whole idea that, like, Thank now you. it's serious. Now, they're not messing around. It's like, yeah, they fucking are. The show is messing around. I, that drives me fucking insane. Then DLP is talking about this uh, two-on-one, the massive group date, prepare for anything to happen. When he snaps his fingers, it was giving Thanos to me. <laughs> I don't know if you fucking... Did you watch that movie, Endgame? No, but I know what that means. Yeah, when Thanos snaps his fingers, the it kills 50% of all living creatures. That's so funny. I hope the snap is like a signature gesture that he's incorporating with his eyebrow play. But Zach gets the first one-on-one date. Today is the beginning of our love story. Love, Rachel Recchia. And everyone attaboys him and claps. Zach, very 4TR response here. I'm pretty speechless. And Eric tries to throw a little wrench in it. Well, she's one for one for kicking people out, so. No, that was Nate. Nate said that. What? That was Nate? I think so. I don't think so. I think it was Eric. I'm almost positive it was Nate because I rewound it to watch it. I'm I'm virtually positive. I have it in my notes as him. Whoever it was, fantastic bit of subtle second audience <laughs> play here. I loved it because it's like, you're doing it kind of jokingly. I'm still your friend. Ha ha ha. This is all in jest. But that's in that motherfucker's head now. Period. You got in there. I don't know if it fucking stuck, but like. That's a great play. Always try to rattle the other players if you can, especially if you can do it in a manner like this where you don't come across as a villain, where you're like, I'm your friend. I'm just doing jokes. But that's still in the head. Great play. It's also a great play to the third audience because they're going to use this to set up like, oh, well, she does executions on her one-on-one. Is that what's going to happen? And they hit it again with Ethan's ITM gameplay speech saying you have to be on your A game and Kirk's open gameplay speech, but Kirk is 100% gameplay speech. This man is a coach. He, coach Kirk says the one-on-one card, we're going to be praying it's not our name. Lol. That's not very 4TRR, is it? Not at all. Portion number two begins the one-on-one date with Zach and Rachel Recchia. This is a celebrity date with a little bit of a private movie screening, kind of. It's it's an interesting kind of like amalgam of some other old dates. I said this is also a pretty woman date. Yep. It was also pretty woman to some degree. I said celeb pretty woman. That would be the two main. Yeah. But we open the date with a couple of B-roll shots of beautiful Beverly Hills, California, blocks away from Gore HQ. We see the SLS Hotel. I've had at this point in my life, especially in my youth, I have no idea how many drinks I've had in that place, but several. Same with me. We used to have our Christmas parties there for when I worked in an agency. Oh, interesting. And they were shit shows. Because I lived in that area, that was just like kind of a, a local bar that me and my friends used to go to. But Rekia comes walking out of the driveway. She ITMs having immediate chemistry, but not knowing much about Zach. She wants to find out if he's really there for her. He emerges from the limo. He gets a little kiss. And Rekia says she's enlisted the help of someone very special. Caramo. 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 I didn't know who this was. Caramo. I like that. Caramo. Caramo. I didn't know who it was, but I looked him up. And then I found out who he was. 2.8 million Instagram followers. Uh, queer eye host. He greets them. And he says he's going to jumpstart their relationship. He ITMs that he's been rooting for her since the beginning. So he's obviously been watching the show. He's a fan of our beloved game. Maybe he's in the pit. Sorry, I mispronounced your name if you are. And Zach pops some champagne. And then Caramo... What was it? Caramo? Caramo. <laughs> <laughs> Caramo tells them that he's 
gotten them. It's an exclusive movie premiere. Now, we've seen something like this before. In season 12, Matt Grant took Holly Durst to a the movie Made of Honor. They actually got to go to a private screening of a real Hollywood movie. Here, they don't mention the movie. I'm immediately suspicious. I'm like, this is not a fucking ad for a movie. This is some dumb bullshit they're making up. And indeed, that is what it turned out to be. Nonetheless, we go back to the house and Gabby shows up to the house to surprise the guys. An impromptu group date. This does not go well. She ITMs finding out who is there for her and that she wants to find out who's there for her and who's going to show effort. She asks the guys to do what they do all what they do all day when she shows up and they're like, oh, we uh, eat and work out and throw the football around. And then Meatball starts tossing the football around. We get a bunch of guys tossing the football around. Gabby is not into football. She's frustrated that the men aren't being forward with her. And we've seen this in recent times. Some other bachelorettes. Claire Crawley has done this. The guys aren't like stepping up. They're not trying to activate conversations with me. And that's on them. I'm the reason they're all here they should be putting out more effort she itms that the lack of effort is a decision at this point and she itms that she feels like she's giving so much to them and they're giving nothing back she's terrified of being let down for me this entire sequence is a bust poorly produced no stakes poorly edited her reaction is not believable after we literally saw about 10 seconds of the guys throwing a football around and the fourth audience Really, I mean, us, the the viewers, we were not given enough to actually feel like the guys ignored her. At least I wasn't. I was like, so she showed up, said, what do you do during the day? They threw the football for 10 seconds, and then she starts crying because they're not making an effort to talk to her. This is one of the worst edited and conceived segments I think I've ever seen in the history of The Bachelor. There's also a group of guys in a cir- semicircle talking to her. So it's like, yeah. okay, they can't all all be in a circle, I guess. I feel like we got absolutely nothing from this all-player date. I think it was completely pointless. They should have at least had her do some sort of activity, but again, it was all part of their, like, this episode, Gabby sucks, and she's the one questioning whether she should be the Bachelorette. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think any of that shit was real? Do you think they had her act in the ITMs, produce tier play, to further that narrative? Do you think those guys actually did talk to her and all they could do was cobble together a little 10 second like, oh, they were throwing the football instead of talking to her. That's what set her off. I think they're cobbling together a lot of their narratives right now. I mean, they cut, like Gabby says, I don't want to play anymore. I didn't want to play to start. And they cut to someone compliments Quincy Sturt and he says he got it at a wedding trip. And I'm just like, they're just like acting as if this is a bad thing that they're just having a conversation that doesn't involve Gabby. Totally. And the Franken biting this episode. Holy fuck. There was a thing toward mm-hmm. the end. The entire thing was played off face of Rachel Reckia from an ITM. And it was like, I don't know how we are doing this. Why aren't we doing the rose ceremony like this? Gabby should be able to find love. It was like, she, I don't even think she said a word of it. I think it was all syllables from other words that they just fucking like pasted together. God damn it. We cut back to the date. Zach and Rachel Reckia are getting pedicures with Karamo and Karamo is sort of grilling Zach and says, there's two women. How do you know if you have feelings for her? Is Gabby completely off the table for you? And Zach is playing this all like perfectly, if not like a little bit, you know, standard. He says, he's holding her hand. He says, it was crazy because I had this feeling with you almost right out the gate. I felt that there was sparks or chemistry. It didn't matter. There were two bachelorettes. I felt something with you. So he's love level wanting in response to this question, which I thought was the best way to handle it. He's not all eggs, one basketing quite yet. 
Yeah, there's no other choice here. I did find it interesting that they had Karamo ask him if... Karamo! Fuck, sorry, Karamo. <laughs> that they had Karamo ask him if, uh, you know, are you going to all eggs or not? You rarely see an outsider given that kind of like significant role in someone's gameplay where he's putting a player directly on the spot. You have to make a choice right now. What are you going to fucking do? And mm -hmm. I, do, I do think Zach played it well, but like you're saying, no panache here. There's nothing really to see. It's like, yep, this is the standard play. This is what must be done. And he does it in a manner that is, you know, good, I guess, good enough. And then they get dressed up for this premiere. They first dress up in these crazy <laughs> outfits that's like, oh, look at these weird things we're going to wear. And then Karamo ITMs that he cannot wait to see them strut their stuff on the red carpet at the special movie premiere. Maybe he is in the pit. Karamo. And then we finally see them in their actual outfits. It's a tux and a nice dress. We get a kiss. He tells her she looks like a movie star. And Karamo glows their appearance at an ITM. Karamo glow is huge. Like, that was one of my favorite parts of this episode see i didn't even know who this guy was because i don't watch queer eye but obviously he's a super famous fucking person he's got more instagram followers than anybody in bachelor nation mm -hmm. then back at the bachelorette house gabby is doing some tear play and pondering by the pool she itms that she deserves to be loved but doesn't know if she deserves to be loved by the person she wants all of this because the guys threw the football around four times like that's what i'm saying the narrative here does not make sense in terms of what they showed us. That's what we saw in the document. Guys throwing a right. football around. And now she's sitting by a pool wondering if she deserves to be loved. It is, it's insane how bad that producing is, in my opinion. What I find to be a problem with that storyline, and they've done it on Claire's... Claire did it probably the best when she calls yeah, them out. She's like, there was no first responder. <laughs> she's a, a legend. But yeah. they did it on Michelle Young's see, uh, season during the like Build-A-Bear group date, I remember. Mm -hmm. And it's something that they always include kind of early on to give The Bachelor at this moment of like, you need to step up. But yeah. they don't have Gabby ever do that moment, like you need to step up. It just becomes this inward moment where she's breaking down all episode. And I feel like the problem with that storyline to me is that these guys are in this highly regimented, highly stressful environment. They're being told where to go all the time. Like, I don't feel like they move without like direction or it's in a set after party setting. So, you know, okay, we're supposed to perform seals here. So when it's like a situation like this, that they're surprised, I feel like people don't know to step up. And that, of course. I mean, that's why it was just the amateur hour for me. I was like, no yeah. one is stealing her and trying to have a one-on-one. -on -one you got to make the most of that. Yes. All of these players, I mean, if we're to believe what we saw, and I don't, right. I think multiple players did talk to her. And I think there were a couple that didn't or something like that. It's shocking you don't believe what we're shown on the document. Well, you can't. It's all fucking lies. But I think probably it went better than they let on. And I think they fucking tuned her up in some ITMs and got her to cry and was like, oh, but fucking this guy didn't talk to you. What do you think about that? I know he should have stepped up. Am I really worthy of a bachelor? All that kind of shit. But ultimately, she wonders if she has the capacity uh, to keep breaking hearts or to potentially have hers broken in an ITM. Then we get a knock at the guy's house and the date card for the second one-on-one is delivered. This is Gabby's one-on-one date. It's going to go to Eric. And it says, who said three's a crowd? Love, Gabby. You can already see the look on this motherfucker's face. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not even going to get a fucking date with her now. There's going to be somebody else on this fucking date. And they're all wondering who the other person is going to be. 
when he, by the way, when they read his name, he like fist pumps to himself and then he gives himself a fist bump and he closes his eyes in ecstasy as Tino reads the rest of the date card. And it was almost <laughs> my face play of the game. It was really good. There was so much. I will say, as as shitty as this episode was, the face play in tonight's game. Oh, fuck. Everybody yeah. was doing it and it was all very high level. Contenders. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Portion three begins. We get another a treat. I am starting to look forward to every episode. A Dark Lord Palmer casting card. Do you believe in love? So do we. Apply to be on The Bachelor. Yeah, what happened to the one that's like, you're a fucking pile of shit sitting at home drinking wine by yourself. You better fucking apply. There's another one. Was there? I didn't see it. I must have fast forwarded through it. I'll get to it. It's good. He was just buttering up the fourth (laughs) audience with that one. It's like, hey, we can help you find love. Don't worry. And then the, I didn't hear the last one. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear your delivery. Portion three, you're not drunk enough. (laughs) DLP is going to escalate. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) We cut to the night portion of Rachel Recchia's one-on-one date with Zach. They go to the El Capitan Theater. They drink champagne in the back of the limo. And the movie is something titled Me and You on the theater. And then there are six lonely photographers clamoring for their attention on a red carpet. These are actors. I mean, they just hired some actors. PAs. Yeah. And whatever, I get that they're trying to make this like, we're going to give you the experience of going to a Hollywood premiere. But it all, this, to me, seemed a little chintzy, you know? It was at the it El did. Capitan. That's cool. But like the getting out of the limo, the in quotes red carpet, it was all a little shitty, in my opinion. Look, I know if they put out the call, they can get 200 women in jewel tones there to spend hours there. I answered that call. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> People will do it for yeah. free and they've had plenty of dates with a crowd. And I think that that would have been, you know, extra nice yeah. moment. But the interesting piece of it to me, though, is the notion that is laid into this, that fame is a prize in this game. And they're giving mm-hmm. you the opportunity here to feel what it's like to potentially be famous, to walk a red carpet. If you ascend high enough in this game, you will be walking literal real red carpets at various award shows and reality TV functions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Recky has already done this. Exactly. Recky has already done it for real. They kiss for the photographers, and we don't have Franco LaCosta yet, but I wish he had been here. I feel like he would have been down on the carpet photographing from the ground, screaming great things. He would have had Rachel Recchia's first stole on his head somehow already. I bet he would have gotten them to kiss the other photographers. I just feel like they could have used more of him. I agree. Every episode can use more Franco LaCosta. But they go into the movie theater. They are the only ones there. And this is when you really know this movie, Me and You, or whatever the fuck it is, is not a real movie. They have some popcorn and champagne sitting out on this little thing, and there's a little date card. Recchia reads it. I hope this is the beginning of your love story. Enjoy enjoy the movie, Car- Karama. Karama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were doing so well. I'm sorry. I'll get it. I'll get it. It's, it's in the same writing as the date cards. I thought it would have been funny if Zach had been like, this isn't Karama. Yeah. Like, this or- looks like Dark Lord Harrison's handwriting. Did he say love Karamo or just from Karamo at the bottom? I'm not sure. No, I, I was just imitating Zach oh. being one of the guys trying to interpret the date yeah. card language. You have to get to the bottom of this. 
But then live music cues up, played on a piano by someone named Matt White. I looked for this man on Instagram, could not find him. There were a million Matt Whites and I couldn't find the right one. The movie is a fake movie. It's childhood pictures and video of Rachel Recchia and Zach. And this is very similar to a date from season 22 with Ari Leindyke Jr. and Crystal Nielsen. She got an early meeting of the family and then he played home movies of himself uh, from a projector on a wall in the house of his family. And we also see some messages here from their moms at the end. Both of these messages from their moms produce tears. I thought this was a great element. They're kind of stealing from Love Island or Survivor Mm -hmm. or these other things where they reward you with a message from the outside of your loved one that you've been kept from, (laughs) which often produces tears when you're in a prison-like situation. Yeah, you'll see that occasionally in our beloved game. Some message from outside comes in via phone or in this case, a video. Breaks the players down a little bit. This is a massive prestige date. Um, mm-hmm. it, it definitely is indicative of heavy, heavy producer favor here. So I'm looking for Zach to go a long way. And Zach gets a kiss. This leads to a conversation about family. And Zach says he's close to his mom. And his dad actually wanted to be a pilot. He wanted to be a pilot so bad that he would force his children to go watch airplanes at the airport as kids. And Rekia says, my dad also forced us to look at airplanes. This kismet style mirror childhood story was my play, 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 play of the game. Now I know. Yes, Zach could not have known this. He, or maybe he did. Maybe the producers told him. I don't know. But it seemed like he didn't know I'm it. surprised you just assume he didn't know this. I was like, it's 50-50 in my mind. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Or maybe, did she say it during her season? Is there any way he could have researched this? Found this out? I it's possible. Like a lot of people who are into planes do this sort of thing. Unlike right. Zach, who says, I've never heard or met anyone who's done the same thing. I feel like I've heard of people doing it. I've seen it in many TV shows and movies. I've seen it in a lot of TV shows and movies. I don't I don't know if I know anybody who's done it. But nonetheless, this play was so fucking effective because it immediately says, we grew up the same. That means we have the same values. And it has a little element of fate in it. This is a sign. We're meant to be together. It's fucking crazy. So playing something like that, if he knew it ahead of time, fucking genius this is like uh michelle young using the quote on matt james the my angelou quote (laughs) perfectly played and i just thought that it went a long way you can tell in that moment she's like oh my god i did that too and she immediately is now on board with whatever's going to happen next and she even says she feels like she has spent weeks with him already and it's been about 20 minutes so he says it's been one of the best nights of his life we get another kiss Matt White starts up the piano music again, or at least we hear the score, and Zach ITMs that he thinks Rachel is his future wife, and they get out of their seats and they dance to this Matt White music, and he ITMs that this is very real. Produces tears. There's a rose on the table. They kiss as they dance. Zach ITM loads a love level three. Maybe even a three point one, two, three, four, five. I don't know. Following really hard. That's an escalated love level three. three. That's a love level three with a little sauce on it. You know what I'm saying? Loads level level three, gets that one-on-one, zero pointer rose, gets that kiss, and he's and gets a Rachel Recky ICM. We have an emotional connection, a physical connection to be so blessed to be in this position and experience unconditional love with someone like Zach. I'm like, 
did he love level three on the date and we didn't see it? Maybe. What? What is this unconditional love? Um, and they make out and Rekia ITMs. It's all about finding love. Feels like a really beautiful start to what could be something really amazing. And I think Zach did did very well with his chemistry play during this date. And that's, you know, you're going up against Rachel Rekia, chemistry queen. Tough to beat. Yes. If you can impress Rachel Rekia with a chemistry play, you're doing something at a very high level. I mean, this this is what I'll say about this date. He played it perfectly. And there was nothing entertaining to me about this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just like so straight. Even the play of the game that I'm giving, it's like it's an interesting play. And if he knew it, like made more interesting for sure, because that means he was acting a little bit like, oh my God, when he's acting surprised, I can't believe we're doing the same thing as children. But it was just bland. And I, I don't know, and I don't know for this entire season what the answer to this question is. Are these players bland or is it the edits? Is it the way the producers are presenting them? I have to think it's that. But like nobody's popping out of this fucking season to me. There's not a Dale Moss. There's not even a Nate Olakoya. There's not a Tyler Cameron for fucking sure. There's nobody like that. Nobody close to that level. We see glimpses and pops of people and we see something from Rachel Recchia in this episode that makes me believe it is just the chaotic editing of this season. That there is more to these to all the players than we're seeing i agree when we're gonna get to gabby's date too i mean well i'll just wait until we get there but her reaction to this <laughs> and his reaction like you're saying when she's like oh unconditional love and he's like i'm falling so hard for her it's like what because you watched some videos of, of yourself when you were 10 years old and then found out you both look at airplanes when you were a kid that your dad fucking drug you out Their to dad the- had the same hobby yeah your dad had the same bizarre fetish for airplanes and he forced you he demanded that you watch airplanes with him as a child (laughs) i'm just saying like the the strength of emotional reaction that we're seeing out of these players and these leads it is not commensurate with the edit we're seeing no i'm sure they talked about a lot of other more interesting things but she's the pilot so we're gonna get the pilot facts portion four begins and we were deprived of creatures last week we suffered but this week we opened on a countryside. Presumably, this is what Gabby Wendy is looking out upon as she's getting ready. And there's two gorgeous horses, but there's one who gets in front of the other one and really steals the scene because he knows his angles and how to get between the camera and his rival. And this horse was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. This horse was strutting his stuff. Probably. We didn't see that. We just saw the horse (laughs) eating. But I agree with you. The horse that was closer to camera knew what he had to do to get that valuable screen time and get more Instagram followers than the horse behind him. This is a horse race metaphor made visual. This is Gabby Windy and Rachel Recchia, and therefore, the Gabby Windy of this horse pair was my <laughs> creature of the week. 
Oh my God. It was a Blanco homage, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, had to be. That's exactly what the producers are thinking. I'm sure of it. That's why they put in the two horses. I mean, by the way, <laughs> those fucking horses are nowhere near this fucking mansion. That's just some B-roll they had from like season 16 or some shit. Guaranteed. We have Gabby getting ready, but she items that she's sad. Wondering if these guys are truly interested in me. What uh, a fun vibe for Bachelorette. Uh, I, uh, why? Producers, if you're listening, some of you probably are. And I know this season's already wrapped, but you can you can still edit episodes. <laughs> you can still edit episodes. If you have storylines like this that are like, oh, the Bachelorettes don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're breaking down every fucking episode. You can still cut it so that that's not the case. You can maybe salvage some of the season. But at the very least in the next season, don't fucking do this to your leads. It makes it hard to watch. No. It's horrible horrible i hate it i do too it's like who am i fucking rooting for i'm like gabby's amazing rachel's amazing i don't want to be made to feel like they're not amazing and therefore like i'm not amazing because they're you know already so amazing but it's also the 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 experience of this the station of being a lead of this fucking franchise it used to mean something It used to mean that you were going to be protected and held on a fucking pedestal and that it really was this once-in-a-lifetime, super unique, highly privileged thing to get to be able to do. And you have, even later in this episode, Rachel Recchia is like, this is so hard. I mean, look, I'm still grateful to be here, but it's da-da-da-da. She has to like do this kind of false praising of the process where it's like, you're not grateful to be there? This shit is tearing you apart. That can't be how they move forward with this fucking uh, show. You have to put the leads back up on that fucking pedestal. You have to protect them. You have to make it look like this is a fun thing to do. Otherwise, you're going to start having casting mm-hmm. problems where you're not going to get your Tyler Camerons and you're not going to get your fucking Hannah Browns because nobody's going to want to do what they're watching on TV. No one's going to want to be a bachelorette if this is no. what that means. I mean, I want like that's making me wonder if this is why we're seeing so many casting cards. Could be. Gabby goes to pick up Eric for their one-on-one date and (laughs) everybody is wondering who the third person on it is going to be. And Gabby's grandpa, John, enters the mansion. Gabby calls him America's grandpa and and points to all the guys and says, they're all my boyfriends. He's Grandpa John is coming in hot. He says, have you got a date for me? And Gabby, I blurred out, but I think she says, fucker, this is about me. <laughs> I think she says that too, which is oh, it's so fucking good. And then Nate here incorrectly says, it's a two-on-one with a family, family member. This is unprecedented. A, it's not a two-on-one. B, it is precedented. Crystal Nielsen had an early meeting with the family in season 22 in the first week. And Madison Pruitt, had it in the first week of season 24. So in both of those cases, players did it earlier. Nick Vial went, had, had his sister on yeah. a date with Raven. Exactly. Yeah, there might even be more that, that were early meetings of the family before this happened. This was second week of regular season, but there have been plenty first week regular season early meetings of the family. But then we get into this one-on-one with Gabby. This is going to be an early meeting of the family, Grandpa John. Spirit guide, sound bath. Very interesting. Gabby ITMs that her grandpa's approval is very important to her. And then (laughs) she calls him a pervert when he says, are there any good looking chicks at the beach at Santa Monica Beach? (laughs) 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 Oh, fuck. 
I don't know. I feel like their relationship is super fucking fun. And this was for me like a bright spot in this episode. I could have watched like Grandpa John all day long. For sure. I think you should move into the mansion. Oh, God. Well, they, I mean, they used to fucking do that. Remember back in the I old know. days, they'd have two friends come in and move into the mansion, like interview all the players and shit. If Grandpa John was just there with them hanging out, playing yeah. football, <laughs> being like, why doesn't anybody want to talk to me? I guess I'm the worst family member that's ever been on the show. That's probably how they'd edit it. They'd probably make us feel bad for Grandpa John. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they show up to this little tent um, and it's going to be a sound ceremony. And their host is Kirsha. She says she's going to do an energetic clearing and she gets out some sage. And Kirsha was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Now, I know Franco Lacosta is in this episode, and he normally would always get my Jorge Moreno, mm -hmm. but Rude. I love me a spirit guide. Because you never know what's going to happen in any of these spirit guide things. When they went in there, I was like, is she going to have them take off their fucking clothes and like sit on top of each other while Grandpa John watches? Is he going to have to take off his clothes? That's sometimes what happens in these things. Is she going to wave an amulet over both <laughs> Eric and Grandpa John's dicks and see if they get a boner? <laughs> dicks? I thought we were going with situations. If she would have put... I'm sorry, situations. A crystal talisman over Grandpa John's situation and they would have had to black box it, that would have been my wowie moment of the, of the game, of the week. But they did not do that. You know what? Let me take you to a place called... Conspiracy Town. Population. Me. Release the Grandpa John crystal talisman situation tapes. That's all I have to say oh here. <laughs> I do feel like there were tapes that need to be released because suddenly Grandpa John is passed out. Looks like he's been drugged and there's no explanation for why he's asleep. That's acting though. They're trying to drum up some little like funny fucking thing or whatever. I thought we were in conspiracy town clues, but I guess we've already moved on. <laughs> the conspiracy here is that Grandpa John's on the fucking take. They're paying him money to go in there and pretend to be asleep. Look, Grandpa John might be auditioning for Old Bachelor right now. I mean, he was really emphasizing his single dumb. Totally. I, that, I mean, after the sound bath, so we get the sound bath, he wakes up, he's pretending to be asleep, and he ITMs that at his age, any new experience is a good experience. And then they follow it up with bowling. Bowling's tried and true. We've seen that in our beloved game a million times. They split into teams, and Gabby finds an age-appropriate woman to bowl with Grandpa John, who's just there doing her bowling league. She's probably an actress, whatever. And uh, Gabby ITMs that Eric is rising to the occasion. We have seen no indication of that so far. He's literally Absolutely just present. Not. He's just standing around and, and doing what is asked of him. But this is what makes me think we ain't seeing enough of that relationship. If anything, he's negging her. He kind of keeps complaining about Grandpa John. Like he's joking, but it also makes me sense he maybe dislikes him. Imagine being a player on this fucking season. There's 576 guys. You There's two fucking bachelorettes. The first row ceremony didn't happen. You don't know what the fuck's going on. You're going to have to all eggs now. It's like just chaos. And it's like, oh, fuck, finally, I got a one-on-one -on -one date. This is like, I can now do something. Also, her grandpa's going to come with you. 
fuck. I mean, it, it just it ruins his opportunity as a player unless he can do something with Grandpa John. And that's what he failed at doing. You you dynamic duo with Grandpa John and you start doing super funny shit. Because if you get in tight with him, Gabby's going to fucking love you. It's a great first audience play. It's a great third audience play because they're the ones who brought him in. And it's like, I can fucking play with anything you throw at me. It's a great fourth audience play because he's fucking America's grandpa. Become his best friend. I feel like it was a layup and we don't see that from Eric. So either he doesn't do it or they're cutting it out for some reason. But I agree. He's giving me floater. Yeah, it's definitely giving floater. He says this day, like they get a moment alone in the bowling alley Eric says, this day has been really fun. The senior citizens bowling tour. And I think we have to have a moment away from whatever that is. And I was like, he was pointing out Grandpa John and the woman. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's really disgusting that there's older people who can be looking for love. Like, Well, it made me think, like, what was going on over there? What are we not seeing? I think it's Grandpa <laughs> John had a crystal talisman placed over his situation that awakened within him a certain urge. And I believe that he and his bowling partner were probably making out or something in a booth. And we're not going to see that. He was showing that lady his lovable dingbat. Yeah. <laughs> Release the Grandpa John chemistry tapes. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> But so, Eric says I was they make out and Gabby says making out a bowling alley makes me feel like a teenager. And Eric doesn't quite all eggs one basket here. He says, I was lucky we had this connection. I don't know if I have that with Rachel. But he is love level one in here, which we're yeah. seeing on both one-on-one dates. They get a kiss. It's almost an all eggs, but not quite. And they finally leave Grandpa John for the night portion. And they wind up somewhere near a house, I guess. I don't know. They cut to this weird house. And then there's a table set up in the backyard with some chandeliers hanging out of the trees. It looks okay. Table in the middle of a field. All I think is they're getting bit. (laughs) Yeah, this location I didn't care for. But uh, they start joking about how interesting the day was. And he says that he wants to value the time they have to see if there's a deeper connection. He says it might take a minute to get there. But to know the possibility that they could get there is what's exciting to him. And he talks about his dad being larger than life and stubborn and his mom is the hardest worker and they fight all the time, but they're the best team he's ever seen. They're soulmates and that's what he wants. So he's using some parental modeling here saying, my parent situation is great and that's what I'm looking for. Usually in our beloved game, you can either do that or the opposite, which is my parental situation is fucked, either a divorce or somebody doesn't like somebody or whatever. We've now ruined the word situation for me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You fucking ruined it. Well, my parental situation is fucked. Let me tell you about my parental situation, okay? You're not (laughs) going to enjoy this. Um, No, (laughs) Or you could say, you know, there's a divorce or whatever and and you're looking for the opposite. Right. You've seen the the error of your parents' ways and you're trying to... This is why I think Eric is not that good a player because he should have already known Gabby's backstory and not really leaned into that so much. Yeah, or leaned into it and said, you know, he all he wants to do is find somebody to be his partner. And it doesn't matter what his what that person's background is. It's like once you fall in love with somebody, it's basically a new lease on life. And whoever you were before that, you're now this other person in the relationship and the relationship is going to empower you, et cetera, et cetera. Or perhaps my parents would welcome anyone with open arms. My mom's always wanted another daughter. 
perfect. That would have been a perfect play. And maybe he fucking made it. We'll never know. But Gabby plays her PTC here and says she still has fears uh, built in that she has to fight about not getting love from her mom. And she's been so hurt so many times by a parent. She did the best she could, her mom. But the second she, Gabby, moved out of the house, her mom wiped her hands of the situation. Sorry. Her mom wiped her hands of the relationship. (laughs) And uh, Gabby then says she'll never know what it's like to have a mother's love. And Gabby stands up and leaves the fucking table. After this strangely cut sequence of weird silent stares that definitely was just like moments in between them talking while they were waiting for camera setups and shit. They tried to tag that on there to make it like, oh, this is fucking awkward. And then she goes into the shadows to talk to the silhouettes of the demons, the producers. And this was my wowie moment of the week. The amount of fucking producers we saw in tonight's episode was rare. They were everywhere. Everybody was talking to them. And when they show themselves on camera, all we ever see is a fucking silhouette, pure shadow. There's never any detail in the face. You can't see what they're saying. Their mouths are covered. Sometimes you'll get what they're saying in a little Chiron at the bottom, like a a subtitle, but you never hear their fucking voices and you never see their fucking faces. They make sure of that. It is sinister as fuck. I guarantee you they are going back in digitally and making it darker, making it harder to see them. Guaranteed. Because in some of those shots, you can see Gabby Wendy's face and she's standing right next to the fucking producer. I mean, I think they intentionally try to try to hide it. This one had glasses, right? I don't remember. Well, the producer asked, was it something he said that triggered it? And Gabby says, I can't explain what it's like to have a mother and not love you. It's hard. Am I too broken for anyone to love? I'm terrified. What if Eric decides I'm not for him? When she says that thing about being too broken to love, I mean, I I know the producers are trying to throw it in there to be like, this is going to be her narrative. She has to overcome this feeling of of whatever. But like, again, this is a, a an exalted position to be the bachelorette or the bachelor, to be a lead of any show in this fucking franchise. Here they do her no favors by by keeping this in the edit, by even leaning into this narrative. Maybe they feel hamstrung like they have to. I don't know because they have nothing else to fucking build a narrative out of. I don't know, but this seemed wrong to me. I think they absolutely don't have anything else to build a narrative out of. That's the only reason I can think that they did this. It's like a last ditch effort to create one I mean, they did it with Ben Higgins. He was hashtag unlovable, but they didn't do it when he's the bachelor. Yeah, exactly. And being unlovable is like, that was his his exit speech, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. That was it. It was like, fine, when you're getting kicked off the show, when you're getting eliminated, totally fine to have a little bit of a breakdown and wonder why it happened and, you know, put the guilt on yourself. Something's wrong with me. Fine. That's That's admissible in the court of the nation. But to have it be your continued fucking narrative as a lead throughout at least one episode, I feel like it's going to be the whole fucking season at this point. It's just a mistake. The producers are doing a very bad job here of protecting the lead. Portion five begins where we still are on this conversation. Gabby says people want to see Rachel Recchia because she's easier. I'm too complicated. I'm messy. No one that we have seen is telling her this. She produces tears, and she says in her ITM that the pressure of The Bachelorette really hit me. Can I do it? Is it too much? I feel like I'm incredibly different from other women who've walked in my shoes. I'm, I still have guards up and walls. I'm afraid 
of him and what we might have. And she goes back to the table and she kind of repeats a version of this to Eric, says, big part of me is worried and scared people aren't going to resonate with me. When we sat down initially and talked, it was a huge honor and I don't want to fuck it up. I'm not polished. I'm not like anyone they've seen in the past. So she's talking about the fourth audience here, like Bachelor Nation is not ready for me as the Bachelorette kind of thing. And I'm like, I mean, Caitlin Bristow said you can plow the fuck yeah. out of my field anytime for her limo exit, Gabby. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the SkinSafe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got... Ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my. Um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black, 
waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. You're the ideal. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody who's like, I don't know if I can do this. But to expressly say, like the pressure of the crown is getting to be too much. The people who have done this before me, I'm not like them. That is a very interesting and new thing. I think that we haven't really seen, not expressed this clearly before. This like straightforward of like, I'm not good enough to be a bachelorette. As though the title of that hold, I mean, it shouldn't hold any significance in, in, uh, you know, if we're going to get down to the nuts and bolts of this here, that is a 40 WR play. She is acknowledging that the role of bachelorette is something outside finding love and that she doesn't, or at least in her mind, she's questioning if she has what it takes to do that role. That is not anything about finding love or being in a relationship. I think she sees it as being about finding love, like a more standard bachelorette would be connecting with more people or something like that. But, you know, I feel like Bob Guinea a little bit had like, I'm not your standard bachelor type thing. Totally. Although he did go and get jacked before being the season four bachelor. They chose him because he was like, you know, physically not quite like the other players and stuff. And then as soon as he shows up day one of the bachelor's like, oh, he looks just like all the other players now. But Gabby says these doubts to him. Am I the right person for this? Um, the last thing I want to do is not be who I am. And Eric says, you've, you've become really in tune with emotions. You have a unique upbringing that shaped you. He, he's literally giving the least here. Gabby says, even with my friends that she has this emotional thing, like with Rachel, her best friend, when I love people, I love them to a point where it literally hurts. And he says, I'll be open and honest. I really like you. And Gabby kisses his face. So... Eric, love level ones. Then they get a real kiss. And Gabby says, thank you for everything and being here. We can go get warm. One of my friends told me that she thinks Gabby has a Jennifer Coolidge voice. And I totally. Agree. Yeah, 100% agree. And she gives Eric the one-on-one rose. She ITMs that her feelings for him get deeper and deeper every time, loading that love level one. And then makes out in his lap and we get this ITM. I'm the imperfect bachelorette, but in some people's eyes, it will be perfect. I would give anything to be loved by someone like Eric. And I'm just like, what is going on? She should not be feeling like this. She is a queen. But also like someone like Eric, I thought he was Zach. I don't know who the fuck (laughs) Eric even is. You know what I mean? The producers have given me no fucking reason (laughs) to have any feelings about this guy at all in any way. So now you've got your lead saying, oh, my God, if only I could be loved by somebody like this. It's like, well, I don't. He's just some regular fucking dude. It seems like to me I've seen nothing to separate him from the crowd. Warm about the love of the elderly and (laughs) his parents are still together. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's what I've learned. <laughs> That's basically all. And he's got a fucking mullet. I know these things about this man. And he did a bowling shot between his legs. Oh, God. The bowling shot between his legs. I was like, you cannot trust someone like this. <laughs> what? I don't know. Seemed a little untrustworthy to me. I see. Like, that's a move he's practiced. A show-off move. A peacocking move. Yeah. Like, why do you know how to do okay. that? Yeah. <laughs> peacocking. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. I love peacocking. Porsche number six. We start, we're at this giant mansion. There's lion statues everywhere. We see Rachel Reckett and Gabby emerge. They are in wedding dress tots. And we see two new people here. One, a DJ who we do not hear from. And two, Franco LaCosta. He's mm. back to photograph Wendekia in their wedding dresses. He says, today, no one is a bridesmaid. Everyone is a bride. And Franco LaCosta, of course, was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. We, 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 we. Not a competition at all. Hard to compete with him, but... Listen, I agree with you. I'm about to give him another award. It was not my Jorge Moreno. I do like the spirit guides, but he's about to get another award from me. That's correct. Gabby, ITM's clarity, again, despite her fears about wearing the crown, the guys show up and run up to the mansion. They all hug the crowns. And then Alec, ITM's at the date card, said, who do you picture yourself with? We never saw the date card. So this is where we might get some forced all exiting. Uh, at least I thought that's what it was going to be, that he was going to like force them to be like, who do you want to take a picture with? That doesn't actually happen. The crowns rip off the lower half of their dresses. Then Gabby tells the guys they want to see who they can, in quotes, picture themselves with. Rachel intros LaCosta to them. And he then tells all the guys, who do you picture yourself with? And he says, now it's time to play. And when he says this line, <laughs> he raises his eyebrows to the heavens with excitement at the anticipation of doing what he loves to do, taking photos of people in wedding apparel. And this eyebrow raise was my face play of the game. <laughs> I love me some LaCosta. I want to see him in every fucking season. And here time to play this face play was like he, he literally couldn't hide the excitement he had at what he was about to do. God damn. No it. one loves what they do more than Franco LaCosta. His joy Best is bystander. <laughs> just he just brings this energy. You know, he's got that star yes. quality that I agree. Certain people are not oozing on the show. I agree. He, like he has way more star quality, I feel like, than any of the players. Nonetheless, the guys run off to tents where wardrobes await them. Jacob gets the leaf. This was, I believe, Andy Dorfman's wardrobe in a group date in Juan Pablo's season 18. No? Who got no, the leaf? No, they had to be naked with the um, the animals. So hers right. was just like a sign, a PETA sign or something that she held, was supposed to hold with the animals. Somebody else has had a leaf on some group date, though. You know who it was. No. I hate to even say it, but it was season 21. The Nick Vial uh, bride group date photo shoot. There yes. was a girl who had to wear the Eve outfit. She had Eve's on her boobs and her situation. Mm -hmm. And 
Corinne saw that and was inspired. She was kind of jealous. Right. I forget what the what the girl's name was. She was not a big character. Yeah, I don't remember exactly either. But we start to see here that a bunch of guys are going to get full edits. Ethan gets a hard full edit in this like little kid outfit with a beanie. Meatball is going to get a full edit in a dirty diaper. Uh, Kirk gets a full edit in a full body like traction outfit. Five guys have flannel shirts and Daisy Dukes. Full edit. Quincy has a hospital gown open in the back. Full edit. The Daisy Duke guys then have to do this car wash photo. Gabby's dumping soap all over them. Avon gives birth in his photo to Meatball. Before that, Mario ITMs. I've seen Franco from past seasons. And I was like, oh my gosh, Mario is a student of this game. And he's right. like, I got the short shorts. He knows that he is not in the favored position because there are men in suits. There are men who are in full, nice suits looking like a normal wedding person versus like, I mean, the costume they gave Ethan to wear was 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 fool to a level that I feel like even the Daisy Duke guys weren't. Um, there was there was somebody else wearing that same thing too. The little kid like suspenders with the beanie hat. Yes, that that was Termaine. Right. It was someone was the father. Ethan and Termaine are children, and Meatball is the baby. Yeah, this was like a fever dream. The, the series of photo shoots that they do, but they when they do the car wash one, all the guys have flannel shirts and just their little Daisy Dukes on. Hayden later has no shirt on. So he has performed a voluntary nudity play, removing his shirt at some point that we don't see. And Franco's yelling, sexy, wash their scrotum. He said that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Franco. <laughs> but ultimately we get to Tyler and Nate get to propose uh, to Gabby. Nate lays it on very thick and um, Gabby ITMs that he makes her feel special like no one else. And she feels loved and seen on solid ground and now uh, the guys are showing initiative so she can't wait for tonight so all of her fears from the football thing have gone away by the way we see Rachel Reckia perform a peeping Tom when Jacob and Gabby do oh, yeah. the biblical Adam and Eve scene and she says I've seen Jacob's situation several times today I can't stop looking <laughs> yeah um, I, I just want to say about this date this same exact date took place in season 21. We are, of course, talking about the great one, Nick Vial. And on that date, all of the players were asked to wear bridal outfits and take nice pictures with Vial. That was some of the best competition on a group date we've ever seen. It ended with Corinne Olympios doing a voluntary nudity play in a swimming pool and using Nick Vial's hands to cover her situations. What is that? proper use of situation no no situation is genitalia only in your mind <laughs> sorry i just need to get this right yes <laughs> okay she takes off her top and uses nick vial's hands to cover her breasts so that nothing is seen and this gets her the group date rose it gets her the the win of the group date all this shit we saw nothing like that here and i don't know if it's because these guys don't understand that in situations like this you have to take initiative you have to be the one to kiss the bachelorettes i don't know if it's because there are two bachelorettes and so they feel weird about like trying to kiss one in front of the other one i don't know if the producers are like keeping them at bay i don't know what's going on here but this group date was a fucking mess you got no sense of anyone here you got no sense of relationships building at all a little bit with nate when he does the proposal but it's just there's nothing here this is a waste of footage, in my opinion. 
It's chaotic. By the way, I had to look this up. Brittany is the one who does the Adam and Eve uh, costume on oh. the Nick Vial date. Fantastic. I think maybe she had actually hair covering her. her that seems familiar upper to Upper situations. Yeah. Nate does this proposal, which is better than everyone. Your smile melts my heart. And I enter the room. You enter the room and the world melts away. I felt like I was meeting my best friend, beauty inside and out. And I love this for Nate. He's going full force. He doesn't care that no one else really took the fake proposal seriously. And he's the only one we see kiss. I feel like we would have seen more kisses if there was more than one. I think they're trying to build him up for a deep season run and, and they're trying to build his narrative. But even though like he's a solid player, again, there's nothing like outstanding about what he's doing here. He's just taking this mm-hmm. moment seriously. It looks outstanding in comparison. Exactly. In comparison to a bunch of fucking duds. But again, I don't know if these guys are duds or if they're just cut to look that way. I, I don't know. But Well, as the tag, Franco says this is precedent for the rest of your lives and sees Nate and Gabby kiss and says, I feel a beautiful connection here. A Franco glow. Portion seven begins and we get another Dark Lord Palmer casting card. In this one, Dark Lord Palmer says, are you all by yourself tonight and wishing you had your soulmate next to you? Apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. What the fuck? I missed that one. Oh, my God. Like, how fucking sinister is that? Hey, I know you're alone, you piece of shit. You fucking loser. Apply to our show and let us destroy you for entertainment. You're watching this by yourself in your home alone? How pathetic. I mean, like, who are they appealing to? Who are they trying to get with shit like that? These casting things should be like, you're winning the lottery. Do you want to have the most fun you've ever had in your life? Do you want to have an experience that only, you know, 50 people or so have ever had? Do you want the opportunity of a lifetime? Apply now. Not these weird jokey things about how dumb you are. Travel the world. Oh, God. It fucking kills me. It's like there are professional players that these, the casting cards don't matter. There are like, you know, people who do pageants and stuff that are like, they know the whole system and they're like, I'm applying for Bachelor. The casting cards don't matter. So you are going to get some high quality candidates for sure. But these casting cards aren't going to give you that. You're going to get like the the people who are like drunk and high, literally alone, watching on TV and are like, oh, fuck it. I'll apply. That's why they have the nice one at portion three. At portion seven, they're like, you're fucked up by now. <laughs> Log on Yeah, now. You, Are you still watching this? <laughs> emotional trauma porn that we've created are you entertained by seeing people cry apply to the bachelor and you can cry too don't you want to live the experience that when Jackie have experienced just full-on oh trauma God. yeah it's terrible nonetheless we go to portion seven all the guys are having fun on their group date and they go to sofi stadium this is an nfl stadium out here in los angeles and the crowns wait for them on the 50 yard line Somebody gets a gives us a let's go as they run out onto the football field. We get hugs all around. And Eric or Zach, whichever one went on the date with Rekia in the beginning, gave a kind of half-hearted let's go when she picked him up. Anyway, Zach. they... Yeah, Zach. The giant group of guys files into this massive uh, kind of pit group sofa. 
And Rachel gives this inauguration speech. Cheers to the guys, putting themselves out there for the crowns. And then we see one-on-one time with Avon and Rachel. They're on the 50-yard line. They got a little picnic kind of set up there. And he says he saw a different side of how they can be funny and silly. He felt like he could see her as a best friend as a result of that group date. We get a kiss. She asked him to teach her how to play football. And we see him throwing the football around. He hikes the ball to her. And they play a little game, get some kiss. And we get a prone bone in the end zone with another kiss. Prone bone in the end zone. (laughs) We then get... One-on-one time with Jordan and Rekia, we only see his kiss lead in line. I kind of missed you. Something I've been wanting to do. Make out. Then we get a pop of her and Tino. They're now on a different setup on the field with a couch. Tino, all eggs, one baskets here. I'm 100% certain I'm only pursuing you. Gets that kiss. And Rachel Rekia, ITMs tonight is like out of a storybook. A fairy tale. Haven't seen her in a while, but I hope Gabby's doing well and her fairy tale hasn't been torn to shreds yet. She doesn't say that last part. You know that fairy tale about 19 guys storming an NFL stadium and drinking champagne with you on a couch that's set on the 50-yard line? You know that fairy tale? Me either. (laughs) Roasted. (laughs) We then see a bunch of Quick pop, well, not quick. We see a bunch of pops of Gabby's one-on-one time. First is with Tyler. He says, I felt a really good connection with Rachel Rekia. I want to pursue that. He all like loads this all eggs one basket for Rekia with Gabby. Gabby says you should tell her, aka obviously Rekia didn't tell Gabby. Mm-hmm. She has one-on-one time with Hayden who jokes like, I'm not a model. I don't do photo shoots. Gabby says, you have a great bod. And then after extracting that complo, Hayden says, I wanted to give you my, some insight into my intentions today. Gave me a lot of clarity, what my values line up with. I do have my intentions fully for Rachel. I think you have the bubbly aspect to you, the goofy aspect, and you're a little bit more like, I don't want to say rough around the edges, but y'all want us to be direct. Gabby, totally. I was like, this bothered me throughout the episode because I'm pretty sure he said, I don't want to say rough around the edges, but. Right. But that's like me going, you know, look, Pace Case, I don't want to call you an asshole, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, you can't say, I don't want to say this and then say it. You're saying it. That's fair. I mean, I, I, whatever. He called her rough around the edges. Look, I don't want to say that. You're not being a piece of shit to me right now, but... (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So he's loading that all eggs one basket for Rekia. And Gabby, ITMs. I've been freaking out all week. I'm not good enough to be bachelorette. Then Hayden tells me his morals more align with Rachel. Being called rough around the edges definitely hurts. We then see this is the final blow, Jacob. Jacob and Gabby. Jacob says... We can joke around. I don't know if we've had a connection I've wanted to have. If you were the only person here, I don't think I could have the heart to continue because at end of day, I mean, we're trying to find someone for the rest of our lives. Like, I mean, sure, I'd like bang you, but like. Yeah, he calls her smoking. That last line. (laughs) He does. Yeah, you're smoking, though. Yeah, you are smoking, though. Yeah. But he is also loading that all eggs for Rakia. And they cheers to finding our future person. <laughs> and then Gabby ITM some tears. The guys rejecting her is validating that 
she is too much for people, that she is potentially unlovable or broken beyond repair. And then we see someone on time one on one time with Rachel and Tyler. He tells her that he's there for her. He all exits here, gets a kiss. She L wants him. We do have a connection. Gabby Itam's fear of being rough around the edges, and it's coming true for certain people. And then we see one on one time with Hayden and Rachel. Uh, we get a little kiss. He all exits her and says, You're more my type. And then we see there are two roses on this table of the group date. Rachel returns to the group. Gabby returns a little bit later, and everybody's like, Where is she? I don't know. And Rachel picks up her group date rose and she gives it to Avon. And then Gabby gives a speech about this week being hard for her. And she says, I can't give out a rose. And then we get a weird silent pause cut in that did not actually happen. And then she says, I think we can just say goodbye now. Wait, before that, she says, I can't give a rose tonight. Rachel Reckia turns to Gabby and gives the most stunned open eye look I have seen from her so far, staring at Gabby, breaking the rules, and that was my face play of the game. Then Rachel Reckia and Gabby have this girl chat. Gabby says a couple guys had choice words with me tonight. Hayden told me I'm rough around the edges. Jacob straight up told me that if I were here by myself, then I could go fuck myself. Uh, just kidding. Then he would leave. And Rachel goes, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Did you talk to Jason? And Gabby says, no, I had a breakdown. And this STCO by Rachel Reckia was my play, 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 play of the game. Rachel Reckia was feeling she was giving me a little sidekick energy until this episode for me. Her righteous anger towards the guys for making her best friend in the entire world feel bad about herself was Mm -hmm. thrilling to watch for me. It was a crown moment. She says that she's going to kill them. They love level for each other. I thought this was a beautiful moment. Normally, these chats between Windekia fall flat for me. I know they have for you as well. Oh, my but God. But this one was beautiful. And for a moment, I thought maybe they are best friends. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to affect their Instagram growth this week. We'll be covering that, by the way, in our uh, This Week in Bachelor Nation. We'll be covering which of the two crowns here has the more the bigger Instagram gain. And I'm curious, actually, if Gabby, Wendy, may... Yeah, the Blanco race. If she may slide into second position here as a result of this, because definitely her edit, just in terms of a kind of hero edit, she did not get the same edit that Rekia got. Rekia is the hero of this episode, if you're looking at which of the crowns are. But then we begin portion eight at the mansion. Eric and Logan talk about how the night ended with Gabby. Logan passed her and he said it looked like she was crying. And the guys all know something's up because she bypassed game protocol. She didn't give out the group date rose. So they're like, well... She omitted that piece of the game. Something must be fucked up. We get another forced girl chat at the Westlake Village Inn. Gabby tells uh, Rachel a deep chord was struck, and she wondered if she could even keep doing this. She says that the guys like doing the rejections because it's like self-preservation. It's like they have another option. Now, this episode in the beginning, they were asking for an all-eggs situation. They were asking for the guys to start differentiating, but now they're not so happy with it. 
uh, and Rachel says, of course, no one has put me in the position you've been in, foreshadowing the rose ceremony, of course. And Rekia says, it's messy, and they can't move forward unless they make a change right now. This is all a producer script, obviously. The producers have said, here's what's going to happen tonight. We're going to make the guys select which one of you they want, so we need to have you have this conversation to make it look like it's your idea. Night falls on the mansion. It's the cocktail party, or is it... <laughs> Hayden says, last night gave me a lot of clarity. Meatball is disappointed. He wasn't able to get time. He's a turtle in Meatball. And he ITMs. He still hasn't decided which one he wants to spend all his time and energy with. Hopefully get some clarity tonight and loads that options open. Nate is, I guess, narrating the show now. Says, I think they're looking to set in stone who they want to pursue. He's giving more rules than Dark Lord Palmer. Hopefully they can move forward without worrying about who's there for them. And Dark Lord Palmer comes in and he says what we used as the speech at the beginning of this episode, we're moving directly to Rose. Rachel and Gabby have realized this whole thing is just not working for them. And to be honest, if this thing continues to go down this path, they're not going to find love at the end of the day. That journey is over. But that doesn't mean they're going to give up. They're going to continue on their journey separately. If you accept a rose tonight, that means you are committing to dating one woman and pursuing one journey. That woman that offers you the rose that you accept and not the other. One group for Gabby, one group for Rachel. This could be the biggest decision of your lives. Quincy chugs his drink. <laughs> yeah, everybody's confused as fuck. The game is flipped here. This is a brand new game mechanic we've never seen in a main game. How... Do you play this? I can tell you how you don't play it. We're going to see some people doing the wrong <laughs> things very fucking soon. Portion 9 begins. It's night. I'm looking at how much time is left. 20 fucking minutes we still have left for a rose ceremony. A 20-minute rose ceremony, I will repeat. Usually they're around 10, a little less sometimes. 20 fucking minutes. I'm like, what can this possibly be? Just utter mess. This is horrible producing uh, in my opinion. The rose ceremony is just supposed to be like exposition of the episode. You're not supposed to dwell in it. Exactly. And we we see why. This was the most boring rose ceremony I think I've ever fucking seen. The guys come into the rose ceremony room. Well, <laughs> this actual rose ceremony from hell was my wowie moment of the week. It was chaotic. We'll get to it. There's a new game element. But I could not believe that this is the structure that was decided upon for this episode. Yeah. It put me to sleep. It gives melatonin. The guys come into melatonin. the room. <laughs> they come into the Roadster Money room. Gabby ITM's another explanation of literally what Dark Lord Harrison, or sorry, Dark Lord Palmer just told us. Avon ITM's that he and Zach are in the, in quotes, winner's circle for Rachel, and Eric is in the, in quotes, winner's circle for Gabby. This is fantastic. Open gameplay speech here. There can be no doubt. At least Avon sees this as a sport. Winner's circles are reserved for, generally speaking, races, like horse races, car races. Avon is naming this new game element where there are two places where the two groups are supposed to stand. Yeah, literally they separate them so that these guys cannot talk, I guess. I will these guys still be living together? Do, are they going to separate them like by a fucking, you know, plastic partition or something when they're all eating dinner? It was very strange to me like how they're separating them out. But DLP enters and he welcomes everybody to the second rose ceremony. <laughs> yeah, we're going into the partition part of the season. <laughs> I mean, that is what it seemed like to me. Where like they were like, I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But they were like shooting each other hand signals and shit the two winner circles. 
DLP enters. He welcomes them to the second rose ceremony. He hopes they've all given strong consideration with where their feelings lie. And the crowns enter in black. This is funeral. This is mourning. It's giving execution. Rachel has an ITM. If someone were to reject her rose tonight, this could end in disaster. She never said this. This is Frankenbitten to shit. Not sure if she said any of these words, but it's like, if someone were... I mean, you can't, it is clearly not what she said. There's at least two or three sentences cobbled together to make this. And then Gabby thanks them all for coming and having two leads has provided an unforeseen struggle, she says. She says that some conversations were hurtful and they provided the impetus to move forward separately to have this, the real rose ceremony from hell, as Pace Case put it. So the first rose is given out by Rachel Reckia. And here is where the strange math of this starts to fall apart. Just remember this. Reckia gives out the first rose to Tino. Tino heads outside, silently high fives Eric and Avon in the Reckia winner's circle. This is, again, sports behavior. These are men literally high-fiving that they've moved to the next round. It's giving very listen-to-your-heart vibes. When the people yes. who would like get their roses, they would go out to the hallway and be waiting and be like, oh, shit, I wonder if the fucking next person who's going to be the next person coming down the hall. Oh, yeah, that's my friend. It's exactly that vibe. We then see Nate gets Gabby's first rose, and Nate then, and I have literally, it says, Tino heads outside and silently high-fives the air. Silently high fives Eric and Avon. Nate and Eric shake hands and hug. That's not Eric, right? That's the other one. Oh, Lord. I guess you didn't coach him. <laughs> Nate and who's the other one? Eric and fuck. I don't. Those two Ava, guys. Eric and Nate are in one. Wait. And who? <laughs> Eric and Nate are in one, and Avon is in the other. Yes. Because Avon got the group date rose. Nate got the first flower. One of these Eric's I have in my notes is actually Zach. I don't know which one it is. Who is Zach and Gabby or is Zach and Rachel? Zach has Rachel's. Okay, that's where I So Zach and Avon. And then Eric and then Nate joins <laughs> Eric. Right. Got it. So then they're all celebrating and it's like super survivor-esque straight gameplay. There's no 4TRR anywhere to be seen in this. And the producers are cutting it in. And the way they're putting it in is by saying, like, there's nothing wrong with this. Although this, all of this behavior is extremely 4TWR for the wrong reasons. It's just celebrating a win here, moving to the next round. And Logan then gets Rachel Reckia's second rose. Johnny then gets Gabby's second rose. And then we have Termaine. This is going to be Rachel Reckia's third rose. He rejects it. He says he has a deeper connection with Gabby. And portion 10 begins... We pick up on this cliffhanger right where we left off and DLP emerges to give another explanation. He says, Termaine, <laughs> you will be put back in line to see if Gabby is going to offer you a rose. So if you reject a rose, we're now getting this new mechanic. You can go back in, in quotes, line to see if the other crown will give you a fucking rose. This is absurd. And Rachel's not allowed to offer that rose to someone else. Yeah, DLP fucking vanishes the rose. He consumes it. He also should have stayed in the room. He keeps leaving the room and then has to come back in to be like, okay, take that rose, go stand in line. Because they don't know what the fuck they're going to do. He leaves the room because the producers are like, fuck, how does the math of this work? Do we have to take that rose away? Does What if Gabby gives him a rose? They don't fucking know what is going on here. But what is going on is Termaine making my... 
error, 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 error of the game. Some other people also made errors of the game, but he makes the first one here. You never reject a fucking rose. Never, 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 unless you have extreme cause to do it and you're in the playoffs at least. You can sometimes do a rose rejection at like a rose ceremony after the fantasy suites or something and come out of that clean and maybe have a high mm-hmm. sand position or or potentially even be a fucking um, a crown, you know, Andy Dorfman. Mm-hmm. Andy Dorfman style. But you ain't doing it in fucking week three. This is a, a bad strategy, top to bottom. And I know this is a new game mechanic. So a lot of these players probably didn't know exactly what they should fucking be doing. But this is exactly what you should not be doing. It made me think that they were goaded into it. Like, oh, yeah, go for what you want. And then, like, you won't be out of the game. Just go for it. Reject your rose. We then get Gabby's third rose goes to Spencer. Rachel Reckett's fourth rose. Alec. Again, a rejected rose. I don't think I'm the right one for you. He goes into the pit. Alex's rejection of Rachel Reckia's fourth rose was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. None of these fuckers know what they're doing. What are you doing? (laughs) To stay in the game, you must accept rose. That is how it fucking works. You have a rose offered to you. You're rejecting it in the hopes that the other crown will also give you one. Gabby and Rachel have already talked, you dumb fucks. Gabby and Rachel have obviously <clears throat> talked. It's it's absolutely absurd. That's why I'm like, were they, go- were they made to do it or, or paid or something? Because I'm like, why would you? It makes, <clears throat> it makes even less sense as you go down the line. Yeah. Alex is reject- rejects it. Dorkler Palmer takes another rose away from Rekia. Let's keep making Rekia look like shit. Gabby gives her fourth rose to Jason. Rekia tries to give her fifth rose to Tyler. And we get this ITM from Rachel. When I first got this, my parents asked, are you strong enough emotionally to do this? Maybe they were right. Maybe I can't do this. Gabby gives her fifth rose to Mario. Rekia, sixth rose to Ethan. Gabby, sixth rose to Kirk. Rekia seventh rose to Jordan, Gabby seventh rose to Quincy, and then Rachel Rekia gives her eighth rose, tries to give it to Meatball, and Meatball rejects the rose, says, I'm here for Gabby, and Meatball being the third person to reject the rose when you are at the clear bottom of the bottom of the pack of this group. He's seen two people before, Alex and Termaine, reject the rose and get put back in the thing, and neither of them have gotten a rose yet. So for me, this was the, you know, Termaine, I at least give him some credit because, you know, he's trying it out. Maybe that's like his Hail Mary for Gabby. Yeah. But by Meatball's point, it's like, are you kidding me, Meatball? Take what you can get. Well, Meatball rejecting Rachel Reckia's rose here was also my third error, 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 error of the game. Okay. <laughs> I mean, again, you, you have to accept the roses. I will say this. I believe Meat Bill, Meat Bill, I believe Meat Bill, I believe Meatball has made a deal 
with the producers, with the third audience. I think they told him to do this and they were going to make sure he was going to come back in the show. We see the tag mm-hmm. at the end of this show. We'll, we'll discuss that when we get to it. But I don't think he's out of the game. Nonetheless, we'll give you the <clears throat> we'll give you the tag Ed style. Well, I think he's resurrecting. I think he's attempting a resurrection. I think it's going to stay. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy. .co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Anyway... DLP consumes this rose. The guys with roses don't know what's happening. They're all confused. Rachel and Gabby go for another girl chat. They walk away from the, the rose pedestal. Rachel feels rejected. She talks to a producer saying, this was supposed to be us taking the power back. And we literally handed it right back to them. Fun way to start a, re- a relationship, in my opinion. Weird power struggles, trying to maintain dominance. <laughs> like, they've known each other for a week-ish. They probably, most of these people have spent a total of about 20 minutes with one another. And this is how it's the foundation of any relationship. This is what the producers have given them. This is the scenario. This is the process. Very bad. But Rachel says she looks stupid to everyone who has one of her roses. Also true. I mean, whatever. They can, who knows what those guys are actually thinking and feeling. But I get what she's saying here. That is a, a logical concern. Her winner's circle is smaller. She's a loser. Exactly. And then they come back in, DLP emerges, and he tells them that this is the final rose tonight, when you're both ready. Gabby gives her eighth rose to Michael. That should be the end of it. But somehow, Rachel has a ninth rose, who she gives to Hayden. So I don't understand the math of this at all. If they had an equal amount of roses that they were giving in the in the beginning, and we're not even taking into account the fact that Gabby didn't give out a group date rose, so if they gave her that rose as an extra rose, she would have had more roses. 
But at the very least, they should have an equal amount. It makes no fucking sense. And this is where I'm saying the math of this is fucked up and why I believe the producers had no fucking idea what they were doing when they set up this style of a kind of dual rose ceremony. And this extra rose, I think they gave it to her to be like, fuck, we, we have to have her have one more guy or all the dates we have planned. Everything that's coming up isn't going to fucking work. That's why I'm like, I'm so confused because I'm like, usually when you go into a rose ceremony, the producers all know who the crowns are going to pick. Yes. For them to be surprised by it and to have to shuffle the math at that point. Well, all the declined roses are sent home, obviously. They yep. all stand there looking like idiots. And the rest of the people cheers to love. And we get this promo. We're in Paris. But two cheerses. They're in two separate fucking groups. It's not... They are. Yeah, it's not Rekia and Gabby Wendy all cheers... It's Gabby Wendy cheersing with her winner's circle and Rekia cheersing with her winner's circle. The partitions have begun. Yeah. Are they never going to fucking talk to each other again, these guys? They just get disappeared? Like they're going to be sequestered when they go on the cruise? They're going to split the cruise ship in half. Or just keep one like... You can't go to Gabby's side. If it's not your time for the group date, you have to go below deck. You got to stay in the fucking galley. I mean, it's like... I, I don't know. This... Like I said, this is, in my opinion, the worst season or the worst uh, episode I've ever seen in the history of the show, with the exception of maybe some Andy Baldwin shit. But I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I don't think they know what the fuck they're doing. I'm very curious to see how it all plays no. out. But we get this promo. Logan is switching back to Gabby, perhaps. We're getting a meatball resurrection, I think, saying someone said, I don't trust these bitches. Dark Lord Palmer says Rachel Reckia got disturbing info. I'm guessing if that's the info from Meatball. And Rachel Reckia says, I'm so done. And we get this resurrection by Meatball in the tag. He says, Reckia, you know, we never got that opportunity. I want to get to know you. I'd love to give you another shot. What do you think? But like the way she's handling it too, she's like laughing about it. And she's like, ah, this, this is great. I don't know, Meatball. Ha, ha, ha. If she had actually wanted to give this motherfucker a rose, she would actually have some feeling about this. You know what I mean? If she was like, oh, I'll give him a rose because I think there might be something there and then he comes back. She mm -hmm. wouldn't be like, come, Meatball, you're so crazy. She didn't give a fuck about Meatball. The producers oh. are like, you got to give fucking Meatball a goddamn rose. And I'm telling you, this motherfucking Meatball is coming back. This motherfucking Meatball is going to be in this TV show still. You know, they're going to have fucking meatball rolling around one of those big plastic fucking balls at some point like Waste Brought. They're going to bring out the Waste Brought limo insurance thing. Meatball gets to come, but he doesn't get to talk to Gabby or Rachel. He just has to do antics on the cruise ship. <laughs> yeah. He's just like pouring fucking tomato sauce and throwing meatballs at people. Anyway, that wraps up our glorious coverage of, again, worst episode I think I've ever seen of this show. Um, what, or I should say, who was your MVP? For his love level one, for his mirror plane story, <laughs> for standing out kind of amongst a chaotic field, Zach was my... M M M M V P Who was yours? Zach was also my M M M M M 
MVP. I mean, it's either him or Eric, right? Is that the guy who went on the date with? <laughs> yeah. It's either him or Eric. And, um, you know, I feel like I didn't get to see enough of Eric, really. Like, I don't know what he actually no. did on that fucking date. I literally have no idea who that man is. I can't tell them apart. Um, but I guess Zach played a little stronger. I did give him my play of the game with the mirror childhood plane enthusiasm. I, I don't know. It's just like... Yeah, Zach seemed like he was putting more effort into it. You know, yeah. he was trying things. He's been in Recchia at the movie premiere. Yeah. This is not a good sign. We are we are more immersed in this and everyone's names and things than anyone. But uh, hopefully next episode will be better. We didn't get a villain. It's just so bland. There's no villain. There's no one you're rooting for. None of the love stories are believable because you have seen none of them. You don't see any interactions they're having with these guys. So it's like, you know, when Gabby Wendy is saying stuff like, oh my God, it would, I would be so lucky to be loved by somebody like Eric or Zach or whoever. You're like, what do you mean? I don't, the guy isn't doing anything. What does that mean? It's a meaningless statement in the context of the document they are presenting to us. And I don't know what the fuck their problem is. I don't know how these producers, I mean, whatever, this, this season specifically, it's got two crowns. It's got a lot of moving parts that they've never had to deal with before. I cut them some slack for that. And they have been doing mm -hmm. some stuff right. The locations, even the SoFi Stadium, although it was meaningless, like why the fuck did they have to show up at a SoFi Stadium for the after party of this fucking group date? Makes no sense. It's not tied thematically to the group date in any way. Nonetheless, it's impressive. It's big, whatever. Union Station was fucking great. Los Angeles Theater was great. Even the El Capitan, that's a cool fucking venue, you know? Um, mm -hmm. They kind of misused it. Like, there wasn't a lot that they did there, but they're doing some stuff right. Unfortunately, the stuff they're doing wrong is the entire game, the entire mechanics of it, how they're treating their lead, how they're presenting any of the players. It's all incorrect, at least up to this point. Yeah, I don't know... <sighs> I don't know exactly how you could have fixed it. I mean, maybe it was like a night one all eggs, you know, like they did on season six of The Bachelor mm -hmm. or like they did with Caitlin Bristow and Britt Nielsen. Have them do it on night one and don't let them talk to the other ones and then just create storylines between them. It has, to me, it somehow somehow has created the feeling that we had during the Clacia season where it's just like yes. a disjointed season. So it's just like, what am I watching? I'm looking left and right. You know, I don't know what I'm really rooting for. I do think like Nate is doing really strong play. I think he's probably the one I'm most excited about seeing his run through the game at this point. But yeah, I'm hoping they will figure it out with less players. I don't think they're going to. I don't think the problem is the players. I think it's two leads. You've got an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes of program. You cannot tell the story of two people simultaneously. Even in Bachelor, like they have to cut... When you have one lead, I mean, in, in regular right. Bachelor or Bachelorette, they have to cut so much out of what the players are actually doing, how their relationships are building, all that kind of shit, that it's kind of been boiled down. I mean, what we have learned as we've done the hyper binge, we've been able to boil it down to like the repeatable kind of little portions of relationships and the love levels and this and that. And that works uh, for most seasons. It works. We can, as an audience, ride on these things of like, we know what a pretty woman is and the FIMP and we know what the love levels are and we know when hometowns are coming and what the regular season is. 
And we can get enough out of these relationships being built through the course of that regular season with a single lead that it's at least believable to some degree that they might have some relationship being built. We're seeing Mm -hmm. enough of it to buy that. With two leads, I don't think you have enough time to shine a light on any single relationship to make it believable. Right. Like, I just don't... Alternate episodes. (laughs) Maybe. And then you just do like a double long season or something. I don't know. I mean, it's just a... The double lead is... What we're learning very quickly, I think, is it is a terrible idea. Um, Yeah, I agree. I hope they don't repeat it. I hope so, too. Logistically, it's bad. In terms of game mechanics, it's bad. And certainly, it's terrible in in terms of how you support your lead. I don't feel like either one of these leads... Obviously, they don't want to fucking be there. Like, I was going to say, I don't feel like they want to be there. They're outright saying it in every episode. Yeah. It, Both, I mean, last episode, Recchio was like, I'm not good enough to be the Bachelorette. This episode, Gabby's like, I'm yeah. not good enough to be the Bachelorette. How are both of these women feeling this way so soon? So soon and so constantly. Usually in, in like prior seasons, like you look at a Desiree Hartsock, she toward the end was into this guy, Brooks, who self-eliminated and it like fucking wrecked her. Yes, I remember Brooks. But that was a good story because we had seen their relationship develop and we we're like, oh, fuck, I can't believe he's leaving, whatever. And you bought it. I still feel heartbroken about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that season was a, a better season. But here it's like, I can't even remember the guy's names. I can't tell them apart. And I don't think that's because the guys are. I don't think it's because the guys are duds. I'm just going to say that. No, I think it's because of the editing. The coding's wearing off a little bit. I think it's because of the fucking editing. The way they're constructing these episodes gives you no chance to see who any of these people are. No, they just... They edited it so that we could see the three parallel conversations between Gabby and Rachel to just show her getting shit on... Or Gabby getting shit on three times, and then we see Rachel gets the positive end of it. And it's like, you don't get to know any of those people better. You just are getting their all eggs place yeah it's it's really a shitty season um i do hope that it turns around in the end but i mean we've already seen the promos it doesn't people get destroyed it's just not fun to be a lead anymore and it hasn't really been since season 23 i think that's what they need to bring back to it is like there's an element of this show that has always existed again up until about season 23 where there's like a a wish fulfillment you're watching the show identifying with the lead saying like, fuck, wouldn't that be Mm -hmm. fun to be able to go around the world and go on all these crazy dates and like have a field of 30 people to pick from and, you know, really figure out who you vibe with and all that shit. That's not happening anymore. It hasn't happened since season 23 or since season 22, I should say. And even in that one, that was a second choice for wipe scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone remembers the Mesnian ending to that one. Well, I still have hope. I have hope. I think, you know, the production is very good at what they do. They've been doing it for a very long time. I'm excited for the surprises they have in store for us. Who are you? <laughs> they, they're very good at what they do. I respectfully disagree, Your Honor. They're very good at... Extracting the human suffering. No, that's true. I mean, they've they've got that down to a science. People. But anyway, uh, that is our breakdown <laughs> of episode three, second week of the regular season of Historic Bachelorette season nineteen, dual leads: Gabby, Wendy, Rachel, Rekia. 
And we will be coming back in a couple of days with This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to break down all the news that has been going on. There's some crazy fucking news Big that's been going news on. Week. <laughs> Big news week with uh, Nick Vial, the great one, and Natalie Joy. They've been up to some interesting stuff. We're going to cover that. And um, also, we just put out a Digging Deeper on our Patreon that I think is our best Digging Deeper of all time that really breaks down everything that happened in these past couple of weeks with Katie Thurston saying that she blocked Nick Vial on her phone. Nick Vial and Natalie Joy, his girlfriend, reacting to that by reading DMs Katie Thurston sent to Nick Vial on the Vial files. Then clickbait reacting to that and weighing in on if they support Nick Vial or why Katie Thurston should have done what she did. And then Caitlin Bristow reacting to that with Baylock High, Blake Horseman on her podcast, Off the Vine. Um, and then Vial reacting again to that. We basically go through the whole timeline of everything that went down with all this crazy shit in the Sauce Wars this past week. So please go check that out if you haven't already. It's at patreon.com. The Dark Seeker put together this timeline and it was not an easy feat. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash Game of Roses. We have all of our bonus episodes on there. A lot of Digging Deeper episodes. We do our live shows on there. You can join our Discord through there, uh, etc. And the video, the video breakdown of this episode will be out as soon as I edit it as well. Nice. But that does it. That wraps up our coverage of this week. And before we go... As always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,428 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 